Welcome, everybody. This is the U.S. Grace Force Podcast. I'm Doug Barry, along with my very good friend, Father Richard Heilman. We've got a great guest tonight. Going to introduce him in just a moment, but of course, everything begins with prayer. Father, take it away. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our defense against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Hosts, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you, Father. And our great guest, Charlie Johnston tonight. So before we get into Charlie and a little bit about him, I want to thank everybody out there. As we always do, you cannot imagine how much it means to us, your support, your prayers, your contributions through Patreon. Amazing, amazing support, which is really helping us, especially as the cancel culture continues to cut left and right, up and down. Father Heilman and I are so thankful for your support, your prayers. We were just talking earlier today, in fact, about how, you know, he will be in Wisconsin. I'm down here in Texas and periodically, regularly, in fact, people come up just on the street or in a grocery store or somewhere and just say that they appreciate what the U.S. Grace Force uh, podcast is all about. And we're so thankful for that. It's very, very humbling. So thank you for that. And Patreon people, thank you so much. Click the link in the description below for more information on Patreon. Don't forget to go out to U.S. Grace Force gear and get the amazing t-shirts that we have that also help support this ministry work so thank you so much for all of that father i know um you've been friends with charlie for a bit and i've been fortunate enough to meet him tonight uh to get ready for this show so i'm going to turn this over to you and let you introduce our great guest tonight yeah charlie you and i i think a couple years ago or or longer we just started talking with each other and then and then all of a sudden we'd have these hour-long conversations you know (laughs) but but I, i think i think we think alike for one thing I mean, I'm humbled to, to think that way because your writings are incredible. And I've always, always loved your writings. Uh, people can find that at a sign of hope379.com or just look up Charlie Johnston and it'll take you to it. But uh, a, a sign of hope379.com. So, Charlie, uh, you know, you, you, you made quite an impact. I know leading up to the election, in uh, 2016, and then uh, and after that, uh, you really got the attention of a lot of people. Uh, you were actually predicting well a lot of things that were going on, um, and, uh, I, and and but since then, you've been unpacking, you know, really what's what's going on. Your your, your sense of uh, of 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 um, what what these diabolical characters that are in play are, are up to is just incredible. The way you lay it out. And again, I read this and I just go, yes, <laughs> I, I absolutely. <laughs> um, but we want to start too a little bit. Can you kind of uh, fill out a little bit more about uh, who Charlie Johnston is? What you're up to these days? Sure. What I'm up to these days. Well, first of all, you know, most of my life I spent uh, working as either a political consultant or in the media. Go figure, you know, two dishonorable professions that I tried to bring honor to. Um, You know, just it was um, eight years ago that I started writing about where we were heading. And where we were heading, um, I called it a storm. A storm and what I had described to priests going back 25 years that uh, kept the archives on it, that would look like a global civil war fought on cultural lines. I talked about the coming collapse in society. And what I talked about, everybody get these war of the world scenarios. That's not what it was. I get frustrated. It's not that none of that will happen, but at the heart of it would be the complete collapse in confidence in all the institutions we rely on. We're there, but it's not what it seems. Um, This is not the collapse of Christianity. This is, in fact, the beginning of God's great renewal of his people and of his church. What I've been doing, I started last summer, I formed an organization called the uh, Corps of Renewal and Charity, or CORAC for short. But you can visit at CORAC.co, not .com, CORAC.co. Um, I divided the country up into 15 regions, got a regional coordinator in each one, because what we have to do in these times, where it seems like everything is collapsing, the old order, the evil order, is collapsing. 
And there's nothing that we can do to stop that. And frankly, there's nothing that I want to do to stop that. What we have to do, we're basically assembling the ambulances. We don't want to be one of those groups that wants to strike back in vengeance, but we do want to defend the faith and defend the faithful and hearten the faithful. How do you do that? By getting to know each other, by working locally. I'm dry, I, I've been on the road since November speaking to different groups of people around different groups of volunteers and trying to hypercharge it they know each other. You know, if you know a face, if you know a handshake, you'll respond to your friend. Everybody has different talents. During troubled times, nobody can do everything themselves. But if we pull the things together and form little communities, as it were, and I, when I say little communities, I mean across the country, we can do this well. Um, Besides having the people working together locally, I've got five national committees that I started. Health and wellness. If things go really south, people need prescription medicine, they need it. And I mixed, I put a mix of laymen, homeopaths and that, and doctors. I insisted on that, very simply. If you get laymen alone, sometimes they go off into some strange pathways. If you get doctors alone, they have a hard time thinking out of the box of their training. But, yeah, I mean, we were working with veterinary equivalents for common prescription medicines, uh, you know, all of that business. Education. I'm looking at homeschool consortiums, and we got people working on it. Communications, primarily with ham radio. Hostile governments can shut down the internet. They can shut down cell towers. They cannot shut down radio waves. Radio waves have been with us from the beginning. We didn't create them. We found how to use them. And we have found how to use, how to send emails from any account, just using a ham radio as your link up. Government can't shut it down. It can license you. But if everything has fallen, who cares about their stake and licenses? You know what I mean? Um, so we're doing that. We've got a prayer team. We've got a couple of orders of nuns that are helping. Bakita, who manages my website, uh, the sign of hope. Uh, she is at the head of it. But again, I want a lot of laymen. Those, if you only have a few minutes a day, that's fine. You know, somebody tried to recommend the mandatory prayer regime for us. No. <laughs> uh, everybody. We want everybody's prayers uh, and all. And sustainability. If things get tough, everybody talks about 60 acres or more. Okay, that's great. And I support those people who are using the money they have now to help other people later. But the fact is, I'm an historian. In the great crises in history, 70% of the people end it in the same place they started it. There are a lot of things you can do to survive and thrive if you live on a lot in the suburbs, even if you live in an apartment. And by gum, I want to make sure everybody has that information. We're doing printable downloads. We're working together. Like I said, we've got a thousand volunteers right now. I want 10,000 by the end of the summer. And guess what? You can be one of them. <laughs> that sounds awesome. That's what I'm doing. That sounds, that sounds incredible. I want to explore this. I and let's get everybody to explore. We'll put links up and 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 help people to find you and and what you're trying to do here. But I see it as unifying everyone. So that's great, Charlie. Well, and, and that's something we, we've talked a lot about, Charlie, on, on the Grace Force. Is just trying to help bring people together, help people realize that it isn't a matter of of uh, just praying and trusting. I mean, one of the things that, that, that I guess, I don't want people to misunderstand me, uh, kind of, I would say stuck in my crawl space is this idea that, you know, God is in control. Therefore, we don't have to worry about doing anything. And I, you mentioned before the, that we started recording here that one of the most um, neglected prayers is the prayer of doing. Um, mm -hmm. So if you could address that, then I got a follow-up question for you. Address a little bit of that, because that's obviously what you're talking about. We need to have the spiritual. Absolutely, that's the root of it all. But there does have to be, on a natural level, uh, this, this, this movement, this action, this moving forward, because we are in a world where we have to be fed. We have to be cared you for. You are we absolutely have right. So a little bit about that lack of prayer of doing uh, idea. The, the prayer of doing, that's something that's a common theme with me. I don't like Christians who say trusting God means not doing anything, right. just waiting to take care of everything for us. God's I got God. something to tell you. 
we are not going to have a situation where the uh, angels are our cocktail waitresses and the uh, saints are our, 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 our mater d. That's not going to happen. We are God's hands and feet. And I insist on the prayer of doing. You know, somebody asked St. Joan of Arc in her first examination, well, if God wants to save France, why doesn't he just save it? Why does he need you? And what she said, I loved what she said, we will do the fighting and God will win the battle. Yes. yes. Okay. So let's do the fighting, trusting that God will win the battle. But if you're sitting on your tush waiting for God to do everything for you, hey, what's the point? Um, and I do like the, the prayer of doing it. If you're a young family, if you're a mind dad, if you're keeping that house clean, if you're making a joyful house, when you're cleaning the diapers, keeping the clothes clean, that's part of the prayer of doing everything. If you do it in the presence of God, my big thing is I always say acknowledge God, take the next right step and be a sign of hope. Mm -hmm. Everything you do can be a prayer if you do it intentionally in the presence of God. You got to get, you know, my friend Jim Graham, he took my The Prayer of Doing and he put a much, um, what I think is a much more pithy way of it. He, 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 after giving me some credit, he came up with a much better phrase than I did. He said, what we got to do is we got to pray up, get up, and saddle up. Folks, that. it's time to saddle up. <laughs> That's good. That's good. And I want to follow also with this, Charlie, if you can, if you can address this. Sister Lucia, you know, the, the visionary, I know many of our viewers know who she is, uh, passed away just, you know, within the last, what, 10 years or so, I believe, 10, 15 years, yep. um, in her mid-90s. She had said at one point that we would go through a time or an age of diabolical disorientation. And, you know, and Father Heilman and I were talking about this just, uh, just recently, in fact, about looking at everything going on in our world right now, whether it's political, whether it's in the education you know, world, you know, teachers not wanting to go back to school, this whole vaccine idea, all this sort of stuff about, about what, what's safe, what isn't. We've got riots in streets over anything now. It doesn't seem to matter what it is. They're, they're willing to loot and riot. Uh, we've got the border, which is just a, an absolute mess right now. And, and on and on and on. In within the church, even within the church, we see this, this, this disorientation going on. So with everything laid out, and some of it so egregious, so in our face, that it's not even a, a subtle lie anymore. Some of these things that we're seeing, they're not even subtle. And yet still people have adopted this, this um, uh, 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 there's a priest who put this point out, called it a pagan sort of superstition of fear, you know, living in our society right now. Um, these types of things have been so embraced, so we're so indoctrinated by this, this disorientation, it, it clearly appears to be at least clearly diabolical. What's your take on how really upside down things are on so many levels and in so many categories. You know, when people get caught up in sin, one of the reasons you avoid the near occasion of sin is because once you open the door, the Satan drags you deeper and deeper into it. A whole culture, we've gone from the time that Constantine made Christianity a favored religion. Our ideal in the West, which we often didn't live up to, was Christianity. That's what we believed was the good. In just the last 10 years or so, the whole world has adopted a pagan culture, pagan ideals. It's all about power. And so people, they can't think straight. I mean, it does, it does boggle your mind to see obvious lies treated as truth and obvious truth treated as lies and done so angrily. Who is angry at the truth? Who is always raging at the truth? Uh, to quote the church lady from the old Saturday Night Live, could it be Satan? <laughs> but just as an example, you know, the transgender thing, that's the big thing. I mean, you had a Republican governor uh, that won't even, wouldn't even sign the bill preventing the chemical castration of children. Yeah. Now, if you change your sex, supposedly, you don't change anything except superficial things. Not one strand of DNA becomes male if you're a female going to a male or vice versa. This is hubris. It's an attack. 
you think about it. If you got a very you can put the body of a Corvette onto the chassis and drive chain train of a Kia. What would result? Who knows? But it definitely wouldn't be a Corvette. <laughs> it's just obvious. But we play pretend uh, on here. And that can do nothing but crash and burn, which is why I say, Doug, that um, right now, the left is destroying itself. Yeah. You can't live by lies. The pagan left for that long, they have consequences on that. So what is our, what is our job? It's to speak the truth in a world that isn't quite ready to hear it. But you know what? They're getting more ready every day. I've been on the road since November. When I got on the road in mid-November, Donald Trump was president and gas was a dollar a gallon cheaper than it is right now. I mean, how much, how much do you want to be beat uh, before you decide, hey, maybe this isn't working? And you look at the rioters, they're coming to your neighborhood. All you left-wing virtue signalers, all of a sudden they're coming to your neighborhood. You're not exempt. They're not just going after us Christians and deplorables. So yeah, there is a huge diabolical dis, uh, disorientation, which is why they want to keep everybody mad. If they can keep everybody mad all the time going after the wrong things, they'll never be happy again. Our job is to give people the truth the way to find happiness, peace, and brotherhood again. So, Charlie, it sounds like what you're saying is, if I'm hearing you correctly, is um, there, it's going to collapse because they're overreaching. Is that it, it, they're so yeah. over hubris, you know, uh, pride? Um, it, they're they're just so proud. They're so full of hubris that. They're just doing it, and and uh, they feel they're, it's their time. You know, I've I've been equating to this to like the Battle of Ponto. You know, the Christian sure. was 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 weak, and it was divided, and and so the Turks said, "Okay, we're going to just deal the last blow." It's a it's our time. I almost feel like it's the same thing we're going through right now. That this pride and hubris is is. I uh, think you're. Yeah, go ahead. It's actually a war on God. It's a war on truth. Right. It's a war on people want to be, we've been through this before, with the Tower of Babel, the very first sin in the Garden of Eden. You shall, you shall be like gods. And that's what man is trying to do right now. That's never worked out well for man. Um, you see, as they're destroying the border, and I do not know why these people do not lecture other countries on how to respect human rights. Why do we need to take everything? We should be active in trying to support human dignity and trying to push, as we were for a good hundred years, other countries into doing the same thing. But you can't have good results right now in New York City. If you are a disabled veteran, we ain't got nothing for you. If you are an Illegal aliens, stop in and get your $16,700 check. How does that end well? Either for the illegal aliens, oh, and they say you're not supposed to say that anymore. So let me look at this camera and say, illegal alien, come and get me if you want, boys. Um, it is collapsing in on itself. What we've got to see is that things are not what they seem. Christianity is not collapsing, although it has some serious problems in its leadership right now. Even when your leaders don't live the faith well, in every age, you can choose to live the faith well. Um, St. Francis, the church was renewed through the monastic movement. Right now, God is using ordinary people, not to overthrow the hierarchy, not to overthrow anything, but to preserve, to strengthen what is true, and to reject what is false. And that's the work that we are called to right now. I want you to think of something. I always say, God did not create all souls at the beginning, but he knew all souls that he was going to create 
from the beginning, and he deployed them at the time where they could do the most good. So quit being afraid when you realize that God chose you for these times. St. Joan said she was born for those times. You were born for these times. Get up and get to work because we have, I tell you what, the triumph of the Immaculate Heart is coming. There's nothing that's going to stop it. Our job is to bring to our Lord through Our Lady an abundant harvest of joyfully renewed souls that were living death, diabolical disorientation, and that we help show the way of life, which is only through Jesus Christ. Charlie, when you're out, you, you, you've been on the road a lot. You said, where are you speaking? Like, what, what are the events that, that you're active in sharing this with? This year, this year I've been doing, because I'm building Korak, uh, you know, you go to a couple of years ago, we'd have general invitation events and we'd broadcast them. This year, I want people that are ready to get to work that are ready to volunteer, to work with each other for CORAC. So we have the CORAC coordinators. For example, I go up to Region 1, uh, Vermont, New Hampshire. Um, I forget which states. Most regions have three or four states in them. The regional coordinator up there, he set three or four meetings of potential volunteers. I go and uh, tell them what the vision is. What are we trying to do and why it's important? Um, sometimes it's in homes, sometimes it's in hotels, you know, it's wherever they wanna go. And I'm wanting to get them more deeply involved, get them working with each other. And I gotta tell you, people are on fire. I go to those meetings and people are on fire. One thing they can do, I tell them, even though it's by invitation, if you got a neighbor, you got a buddy, you can go ahead and bring them. Uh, to it. So I have to explain to a lot of people, you know, who I am and what I'm doing and what my history is on that. But it's kind of funny because while there was a mystical element in this, and there still is, um, I think it's part of the divine sense of humor. That one thing I'm getting from the people who never heard from me, uh, after I've told them, they come up to me at the end and they say, oh, thank God finally somebody who's talking some common sense and we can talk back and forth about it and all that. And I thought, isn't that just the way with God? A guy that sees angels now is the voice of reason for people who have never heard of him before. <laughs> yeah, uh, I know, Charlie, you, you're one of the believers of that, that the election was stolen. Yes. And um, I am too. And I think Doug is too. Yep. And I think 78 million more, uh, at least uh, believe it as well. Yeah, we're not allowed to talk about it. Um, you know, I, it's, and you go into it in this one article that I was reading uh, by you, where, um, you know, they had the plan that they would, they would, uh, uh, they would, you know, manufacture the polls in advance. And that's what they did. Uh, and get, but what happened was, is that people got overconfident is, is, and I believe that too. And so it backfired on them. And so they had to quickly, you know, stop, stop the, uh, the, the election. And, and all of a sudden you found all these votes. Anyway, how did we get here? How do we get here? So that first of all, that, uh, that they could be that brazen to do something like that. But secondly, to be where we are now, where we're not allowed to talk about this, you know, we could be we could be punished. And again, I've been calling this is like an organized crime syndicate that's going on right now. Everybody's in league with each other. You know, all the all the forces of influence and control uh, are in a pack with each other. A, a, an organized crime syndicate. Um, how do? Okay, that, that happened. How did? How did? conservative, God-fearing, um, you know, people allow this to happen in their time. I mean, what's, what's your take on all that? My take on it is, um, is, is fairly simple. I tell people that we're all responsible for having gotten here. 
Most of the people I talk to do not actively attack the faith. But, and I've done it, you look at an offense someplace and um, what you do is think, oh man, I'm gonna have to go through a big hoorah to do that. I think I'm just gonna look the other way. You do that long enough and suddenly you're in the soup. When we went to a pagan mentality, and let's just be blunt about it, that really came to the fore. It was, it, it's been steaming for at least three, four, five, six decades. Actually, I think it's been steaming that way since the Woodrow Wilson administration, where politics became primarily about self-actualization. We no longer are agreed uh, as a Christian people that this is the good and just disagreeing on how best to do the good. We are diametrically opposed. And all the pagans see is power. How to get power and self-actualization, which is foolish. Because if you think of the last, go 50 years ago, and think of all the most powerful people in the country, in the world, in your neighborhood, you may remember three of the names, you know? We are passing through. This is, I love the title of um, Dennis Lahan's book, Mystic River, and it actually is a river in that. We're just passing through. So all we can do, and what we're going to account for with God is did we make things a little bit better? Did we help people? Did we help his people who are our brothers? We get these vain notions and we lose sight that we're mere servants of God. I'll tell you something once, a dear priest to me uh, had told me uh, we were talking about something and you know, Father Rick, that I, Father Richard, uh, I kind of, every once in a while, if you trip my trigger, <laughs> I'll get rather animated. And he told me, he said that, um, well, yeah, we must help the less fortunate. And for some reason it tripped my trigger and I said, no, that's not what Christian charity is. We are all the less fortunate, weighed down by the burden of original sin. And what we must do is help each other as loving brothers and sisters. When we're doing that, we're living our faith. We haven't done that for a long time. You look, you look at the weenie Republicans. I'm sorry, that's what most of them have been. Um, they're looking on how is this going to look on my, uh, I, I, how is this going to help me to get to the next level? There's always some of that. And I don't mind ambition. But if you're, if you're ambitious just to get to the next step, what a futile ambition that is. I, you know, I'm sorry, I'm going to tell you a quick story. Once a governor of Illinois, I was at a Lincoln Day dinner speaking for a Senate candidate, and he wasn't getting the same thing as that. A governor of Illinois, it was during a primary, was telling us that, hey, you know, this is Lincoln's Day. There's nothing wrong with being a partisan. We just have to support Republicans. You know, whatever you support Republicans. Uh, Abraham Lincoln was a partisan Republican. And I got up, he got polite applause. I loved it because I got up and I said, Abraham Lincoln was a partisan politician. First, he was a partisan Whig. But when the Whig party ceased to stand for anything, Abraham Lincoln ceased to be a Whig and helped found the Republican party, which did stand for something. So if all you're standing for is your own personal advancement, you will soon be left on the ash heap of history because the true arc of history bends towards God and towards those who care for their brothers and sisters and his people. Yeah. yeah. Well, amen. Um, Charlie, uh, Our Lady Fatima in 1917 talked about Russia spreading the air of her ways. And now we're sitting here with things in America that have unfolded as they have very, you know, socialism, uh, communism type ideas in the schools. It's been going on for many years now, the indoctrination. Speak to that, if you can, a little bit about where we are in relation to Our Lady's warning, which I find fascinating in all the talks I've given, hundreds of talks on, our, on Fatima, Our Lady Fatima. She warned of a second world war 
on July 13th, 1917. She showed the children the vision of hell that same day. But the only real big warning of something coming other than the war, Second World War, was this issue with Russia and the error of her ways, which we see this godlessness that you know stemmed from Russia, Bolshevik Revolution and so forth right at that time period. But here it is now in America on different levels and in different ways. What's your take, your thoughts regarding Fatima, the message, and where we are now in America, especially, if not other places of the world too, with regards to socialism, communism, and just in general, the era of Russia's ways? Most of the rest of the world, certainly the Western world, is in worse situation than what we are now. Right. Frankly, I tell people sometimes, I think we need to get this collapse done with because we have to rise from the ashes because we have a big role to play in helping renew the faith rest of the world. So let the clowns that are in Washington, the pretenders, and those that are strutting and preening, let them make all their mistakes and let it collapse on them because we got to make this country anew in order to help the rest of the world. But Fatima is at the center of everything. Fatima is the story of these times. But we got to go back and look. What is the error of Russia? I think it's, again, God's divine irony. Um, what is communism? Ultimately, a lot of it is about the belief that good can be done without reference to God. With the Re Russian Revolution, I mean, and that belief is as serious, seriously errant as the belief that thirst can be quenched without reference to water. I mean, it's just stupid. You can use all the sawdust and sand you want to, and you're going to die of thirst. Good cannot be done without reference to God. The, um, the communist revolution in Russia institutionally institutionalized that to say that good can only be done without reference to God. Interestingly enough, in Russia, they saw the results of that. The communists occupied Russia for 71 years. This monster finally died, thanks be, thanks be to God, to the collaboration of John Paul, St. John Paul, Ronald Reagan, and Margaret Thatcher. But then it rose anew in the very nations that conquered it. One of the things that has been striking to me on these last few months on the road I have run into one Russian woman and two Polish women who were talking about moving back to their countries because where they came from because it looks like they're going to be freer than America is. We have swallowed, I mean, it's kind of like COVID, you know. Russia got COVID with the communist takeover. They're recovering. Yeah, they're still brutal and all that, but they're recovering. And meantime, the rest of the Western world got it. The stupid people who think they're intellectuals think this means something, but they're not really looking at what is truth. So yeah, I think now we are, actually I think now we are very close to the end of the time that Satan had to um, scourge the church and the world. Uh, that was of course Pope Leo. Um, but I think we are in, we're in the penultimate times. I think we're five years and please don't quote me on time well you're going to quote me because i'm saying it on times because timing is not uh my strong suit i've been wrong a lot on that on the substance uh, <laughs> i get it right i think we're three to five years away from the triumph of the immaculate heart mm. but it will come sooner if we dedicate ourselves to living as christians and what does that mean living without fear living that you know when I went on my pilgrimage, I walked across the country on a religious pilgrimage um, 10 years ago. What uh, I prayed was, I didn't want to be hurt, but if I was, let it be done so in a way that I'd be able to complete it because it had become a sign of hope to a lot of other people. If you are willing, God, use me as you will. I sure don't want to be a martyr, but if I ever have to be, please let it be in a way so that it draws more Christians to it. This life, what C.S. Lewis called it, the Shadowlands. These are the Shadowlands. Heaven is reality. I want reality. And people are trading away their birthright 
the jewels, the gold that God has in store for them for the paper and paste of temporal power. You know, I, I'm listening to you and I'm thinking just earlier today, I had a funeral of a lovely woman. Uh, she actually is my next door neighbor and uh, her family and all of her ancestors were very much a part of this whole area that I'm in right now. I'm, I'm right now on the very western edge of Madison. So if you drive two, three miles down the road, you're in Madison, Wisconsin. Uh, so, and they, they jokingly say it's 77 square miles surrounded by reality. But uh, <laughs> so very liberal. But uh, the, the, here I was, and I, I, I was at their house this week because, you know, she had died. And then we were talking about uh, Claris. And we were sitting mm -hmm. around their kitchen table. And I told him, I said, I, I grew up only 12 miles down the road here, but it was suburban Madison. And I don't have any gripes or complaints about the people. I think they're pretty good people that I was surrounded by. But I told them that it wasn't until I became a priest that I had the privilege to go outside of that suburban bubble and meet rural people. And, and I, I said, I have to admit, I was shocked. And I don't mean that in a bad way, but I, I mean that I've never met such down-to-earth, uh, unpretentious, self-effacing, humble people who are completely generous in their understanding that life is about seeing need and taking care of it, no questions asked. And I told them, I said, I'm trying to aspire to be you. you know. But then, I, then we talked because I, I knew where they, they stood with what's going on in the culture and politics and all that. I said, yet what I'm watching right now is an invasion of their opposites, okay? An mm -hmm. invasion of their opposites where we're being invaded by those whose highest priority is to continue to receive invitations to the cocktail parties of the elites. Yep. They want to count themselves as, uh, as uh, powerful and in control and, and they want status, um, but they want to believe that they know better than this family I was with around that kitchen table. Yep. And I, I, I said, I, I, you know, well, I, I want you to know they don't understand one one hundredth of what those souls around those table, that table, comprehend about how life is to live, is to be lived. And I, I, I feel like that's what we're, we're, we're doing. And history has seen this exact same thing go on in other parts of the world. An elite ruling class takes charge and uh, looks down their nose at the beautiful, amazing, selfless, humble people and, and, and uh, dictate to them how they are to live and how they are to think and what they are to do to control them. Um, I, I just want to tell that story because I, I feel it, it goes to directly what we're talking about right now is uh, we're being invaded. I, again, I've been calling it like a, a organized syndicate mob. You know, it's, it's a they're gangsters. They're all in league with each other, but, but what is their, in, um, uh, incentive for doing that. And I've always said it's, it's hubris. It's pride. It's, it's wanting to be counted among the elites to, to say, we're the, we're the all knowing. Um, they, they often call people like this, this beautiful family around the kitchen table. Well, we're in the flyover States, you know, kind of mm -hmm. like we're not insignificant and all that. So Charlie, having said all that, okay. I mean, what do we do? I, and I, I think what I'm hearing from you is that we got to let it collapse. And, and I, you know what? I think I agree with you. We got to let these people who have chosen to be in league with the devil. And that's mm -hmm. what we're doing. Yep. And, and, and if you look again at, at history, you do that. Okay. It's like placing a curse on yourself. Okay. Yep. Bad luck. Bad things happen to people who choose to put to get in league with the devil. I mean, you even talk about people who uh, make packs with the devil and they have this temporary surge of wealth and prestige and power. 
But what, what happens is, is there's always, always a, a terrible, violent, awful crash after that. Yes. Is that what you're talking about, Charlie? There's no end game these guys. They want prestige without earning it. Right. You really earn when you do and when you help others on this thing. And it's, it's the whole nature of the Satan. You know, you've got this glamorous idea in common culture, and it's one of the Satan's great successes. I always call him the Satan, simply because I don't want to give him the credibility of a name, because he had the most glorious father in the universe, and he spurned him, you know. So he is, forgive me, but he is nature's true bastard, because <laughs> he spurned uh, that father. Satan gets no kingdom except in this world. After the end comes, Satan will be as isolated, alone, as anybody that he's taken. Satan is pure malice. He hates mankind. He wants to destroy mankind. His whole purpose is to negate what God created. His whole purpose, with all this vanity, is fundamentally barren. In fact, when I'm looking for satanic activity, I watch for those things. Is it fundamentally barren? Do they get enthused with glitz and all that sort of stuff that is leading nowhere? Here's the secret about the Satan. If he can, he likes to attack his enemies, which are any godly people. If he can't, he's perfectly content to devour his friends. Sooner or later, you get in league with them, you're going to be devoured. Now, you look at this, um, this political movement. They're never happy. When they lose, they're miserable, and they're raging, and they're howling. When they win, they're miserable, raging, and howling. They're like the lion spoken of in the Bible that's uh, prowling the streets looking for someone to devour. They can never be happy. They've lost the capacity for joy. Our job is to show by example um, what joy can be and to defend the faith. You know, one thing I tell people, and you have to think about this a little bit, is that we have two duties before God that we will be held to account for. The first duty that we'll be held to account for is if we fail to give effective witness to someone that we could have out of anger. But the second duty that we'll be held to account for is if we fail to defend an innocent from attack that we could have but didn't out of fear. Now you think about that, that's humanly impossible, which is why you've got to always be acknowledging God and doing the most right thing that you can think of. But that is our call. Now, uh, I always say as a pastor, you know, I, and Doug as a father, you know, uh, we're shepherds and we have to, you know, we have to know where the wolves are <clears throat> and, yeah. and, 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 and to warn the sheep or even, you know, attack the wolves and get the wolves away, whatever it takes to protect the sheep. You know, a lot of times the good shepherd is seen as, you know, just this flowery guy, you know, he looks like a, a 1960s hippie or something and <laughs> he's kind of hanging out. no. He is, he's there to, to, to protect it and to go to battle to save those sheep. And, and I think that's the missing link in our times. And again, obviously for bishops and priests, but also for heads of households, you know, yep. anything you got to protect. But in other words, when, when you see uh, lies, you got to go, nope, <laughs> no. Yep. No, I'm, I sound like I was talking to my, my dog, Gracie, today. <laughs> Her new thing is junk picking. Oh, isn't that fun? My house is destroyed. But anyways, but, but seriously, a good dad and a good pastor uh, says, no, no, that's wrong. That's, that's a lie. You know, we've got to, and, and instead, I think what we're getting is uh, pastors who, you know, don't want to offend or, you don't want to trigger snowflakes and, you know, can't we all get along? And, and, and in the meantime, all of this evil is being normalized. The sheep are literally getting devoured. 
And so you're right, Charlie. I was listening. To, I was hearing you say that um, uh, that we, we've got to be willing to defend the faith. And defend the faith means defend the truth. You know, uh, follow the commandments, and the commandments aren't burdensome because we just want to we just want to please God. And so, you know, obviously, I follow everything the church teaches. And when they try to tell us, well, the church is teaching something else now, or or uh, you don't have to follow. You go, no, like a great dad would do, right? Doug, maybe you yeah. yeah Well, right? yeah, and one area I want to add into this is, is you know, and, and Charlie, you addressed this a little bit at the beginning with Korak, is there's a physical component to this, especially in these times. That, you know, you talk about defending and protecting, and, you know, Father Heilman, you know, you've been, you, you and I have talked about this, and you've let me talk a lot about this, over past episodes about the fact that every man should have a plan to protect and defend if it is in a, in a just, legitimately just self-defense situation. I have a beautiful wife in this house. Well, I have a, it doesn't matter, beautiful or not. If we are entrusted with somebody, we have a responsibility to protect and defend them morally, spiritually, and, and naturally. That also includes, as you said earlier, Charlie, with the CORAC arrangement that, you, that you're working on, that food and shelter, and medicine, and defense. We have to band together. We have to, in the division that's been going on with all of the, all of the, the shutting down of churches, and the isolation, and the lockdowns, and communities and societies has separated us out so much now that, you know, I was putting on a Wednesday night workout here in Tyler, Texas, you know, for almost a year before all this hit, and just trying to rally guys together after, like, six, eight months after it hit, was, was like pulling teeth in some cases to get the guys to come back. Some of it was fear. They didn't want to come because of fear, you know, because, well, we got to wear a mask, we got to this, we got to that, and all this sort of stuff. But they just didn't want to come out of their shell. And yet things in society seem to be pointing more, as you said, Charlie, collapse. And I think, you know, Father, you and I have talked a lot about this along these very lines is things are collapsing, things are eroding. And I like what you said, Charlie, and I'm glad you said it. I agree with it. It's as if we have to let it happen so we can rebuild. It, it, it's, mm -hmm. it's in a position now, I think what Mother Angelica told me years ago, 22 years ago or so in a meeting I had with her, where she said, everything is so far gone now, Doug. I'm not going to do it with her accent because I'm not as good at, as, <laughs> as Raymond is. You know, honey, just give him Jesus. You know, but <laughs> That's pretty good. <laughs> that is pretty good. <laughs> yeah, Raymond's much better at it, you know. But she looked at me, she said, Doug, everything is so far gone. The only thing that's going to turn it around is divine intervention. She said, so get ready for it and, and, and just fight hard because it's coming. And, you know, I, we're at this place now where as things are collapsing, um, uh, we need to be spiritually and naturally prepared to, to address all the things that, that God has called us to do for one another, to care for each other in. And, and one of the thought on this, too, is that as these things are collapsing and as we see them speeding up, I mean, Charlie, mm -hmm. and I know years ago you were talking about these things and you, you joke around about the time frame. You know, I know you took a lot of grief for the time frame uh, in different <laughs> ways, but I always said, you know what, you were spreading a message that I think helped give us another window of time because people were responding. They were fasting. They were praying. They were taking the next right step. And you, among other people out there talking about you know, praying the rosary, Father Heilman, the rosary coast to coast. I mean, trying to rally people all over the globe to take the steps spiritually and naturally to, to help buy us time, if you will, to reach more lives before the collapse would really start to unfold. Charlie, do you think that's kind of an accurate way of putting that? I think it is an accurate way. You know, I love what U.S. Grace Force does. Um, shortly after I met Father, uh, Father Heilman, when we started talking years ago, I told him that I don't like most spiritual warfare uh, things because they either tend to be dweeby, weepy people begging God to take care of it and not really believing that he's going to intervene, or they tend to be people who are childish think that they are the great spiritual warriors and Christ doesn't have much to do with it. Yeah. But Father Heilman was completely devoted to Christ. He does his part and 
he doesn't expect to fail. He's not being dweeby. And uh, Father 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 Harriman told me said um, said Yeah, I always expect an answer, but I know I got to do my part. And I thought, by golly, this is my kind of priest. <laughs> Get out, kick butt, take names. Gotta believe, and, uh, baby. You gotta believe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah so. Um, Getting to the grace force is, um, you know, we've we've gone through a lot of battles uh, throughout the years, and and we've we've seen results, but not always in the time frame. And that is what you guys were just talking about right. that we expect. Mm -hmm. But but God seems to always answer the prayers, and it's usually a lot better than we expected. Yes, and it's not always in the time frame that we expected. I, I get tempted all the time to predict, you know, every time I predict, every time I predict it's wrong. <laughs> it just is. Uh, but uh, cause you see these little signs, like I've been pointing the Christmas star and things like that. And here's what God's going to do. And no, 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 no. I, I just wanted, I wanted to accept the signs that God is giving us and then act on it and, and see what God does from that. Uh, and, and, but I do believe that this is a time for us to uh, become, I've got the t-shirt on, to get strong. This is a time for us to get strong. And what I, what I mostly need, mean about that, because we've got to get physically strong too. I started walking and lifting weights again after COVID nice. <laughs> set me on my couch for a year, maybe. But, uh, but we've got to get physically strong. And that's key because otherwise you're going to be sluggish and you're not going to want to do anything for God. But but you, it's spiritually strong, and this gets to, to I think you were talking about this too, uh, Charlie, is that uh, we've got to get to that point where we cry out, my Lord and my God. We get, we get to that point where it's called, it was called but you, uh, you were saying, the, I know what it was, you were saying the word reverence, and I was sitting there going, oh yeah, reverence, reverence. Right. <laughs> <laughs> reverence, you were saying reference God, and I think, but, but it's true. Um, that's what this is all about. Wonder and reverence is another, another way of looking at, you know, this first gift of the Holy Spirit. And we've got to, in order to get into the power of the Holy Spirit, we've got to get that first one. And we've got to help people to get there. So they're not playing religion. They're not, uh, I, I say they're managing God. They're put, putting God over there and saying, you know, I'm going to basically tell you what I'm going to do. So go ahead and kill babies and a, a little boy can manipulate his body if he wants to change his sex and all these, all these horrors under God. It, but I'm a devout Catholic, you know, uh, and I'm, even though I'm in favor, of, uh, uh, even though I allow these things, I'm, I'm not personally in favor of whatever, but, the, but we're managing God. But once people get that, that, that first gift of the Holy Spirit, wonder and reverence, you know, all of a sudden you're going, well, of course I got to do it God's way. I mean, I can't even dream of doing it any other way. You know, so I think, you know, as we're going forward now, and, and I, I, I'm with you guys. I, I think that God's going to let these culprits face some stuff. And again, I don't want to predict what God's going to do, but, um, but, but they're going to they're gonna see a, a, a pretty bad collapse. And, and this is going to be a time for us to restore, uh, restore and renew the church through all of this. But, but it isn't going to happen until we take away that pretend religion, okay, and make it this real authentic uh, fear, of, fear of the Lord, you know, wonder and reverence kind of faith. Stand for true. You know, I think you've done better than you think. Um, the Revelation 12 sign. Yeah. When you published uh, about that, that had a profound, as, as a matter of fact, I knew then. I knew then, but I couldn't say it to the end of the year, although I hinted at it, that I had made a serious mistake on predictions of rescue. I treated it as an event rather than a process. And when the Revelation 12 sign came in the sky, um, and with the article you posted on it and some of your comments, I thought, okay, now everything is going to be revealed. We're going to start seeing the real rot at the end of our culture. A couple of weeks later, the Harvey Weinstein things start coming out. Yes. I mean, yes. we found out that the FBI and the Justice Department yes. have become yes. a paramilitary arm. Everything was revealed. The Christmas star, when you wrote about that, and we actually talked about that before you wrote about it. Um, I thought, okay, what this is, 
Now is the time. Now is We're going to hit the skids real quickly. Now, everybody must choose who they will serve and yep. they must publicly declare themselves. Yep. No hiding in the closets anymore. Right. Exactly. You know, it is so, coming to the world. And you got to get close. You got to get this close to God. Yeah. And Char so, Charlie, is, is this is this this kind of breakdown that we're talking about um, happens? Uh, this this dissolution, if you will, of the, this this kind of diabolical mess that's kind of running roughshod over people left and right as this unfolds and happens. You've said already in this show that we need to pray up, saddle up. I'm sorry, what was it again? Get up. Pray up, get up, and saddle up. <laughs> saddle up. Okay. Um, that we need I to see a t-shirt coming on that one. I love that. <laughs> pray up, get up, and saddle up. Jim Graham, president of Texas Right to Life, that he was actually paraphrasing me, <laughs> but he did it better than I did. <laughs> yeah, I like it. I like it a lot. Um, but there's going to be serious trial, as there already is for Christians in other parts of the world, especially China, which what they're going through in China, you know, Middle yep. East, uh, Venezuela, other places, it's just been brutal in some ways. What do you see for the United States with regards to persecution? I mean, Actually, the talk, I don't think the talk of, I mean, just real quick, the talk of, of, of passports, you know, not being able to buy shop, sell some colleges are requiring it to come back to college. I mean, flying may happen this way, all these types of things that are going to be putting us really behind the eight ball on some of this stuff. And that's just one example. What do you see with regards to just your own personal take persecution trial for Christians in America right now? I actually don't think it's going to be that bad, except people have to change their mindset. Right. Some people have told me I may lose my job. Okay. I think people can legitimately decide to take it or not to take it. There's a difference between making a wrong decision and an evil decision. But have you ever heard of a time when you had to fight a great evil? but you would only do it provided that there would be no icky consequences for you. Get that out of your mind. Right. Either you believe or you don't. At can this you, point... Can you I'm sorry, I just have to jump in. Forgive me for interrupting. Can you define icky? <laughs> <laughs> just for our audience who might not understand what icky <laughs> I mean, it's, just, it's, a, it's an interesting choice of word because you're talking about... You can't get, go into a battle of some sort without there being some real brutal challenges. Yeah. Trials. You know, uh, again, um, I walked across the country sleeping in the woods for a year and a half. <laughs> Sometimes I didn't get a lot of food. Hmm. Now, if I would have been shocked that there were going to be hardships, I wouldn't have done it in the first place. And I had one 80-year-old woman at one thing. She said, you mean I might lose my cell phone? What would I do without it? <laughs> what did you do for the first 50 years of your life, lady? You right. know? And then people say, what, what if I don't get my Social Security check? Yeah. Do you think? We let this get out of control. It's our fault. Yep. Now, we have to stand. Jesus Christ asks poignantly at one point. When the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? Hmm. Jesus is not going to fix everything for us. He's letting, giving us the opportunity to show that there is faith on earth. And as we show that, you will see a lot of divine intervention on this, culminating in the triumph of the Immaculate Heart. But if you're not, if you're only going to make your stand, provided that nothing icky happens to you then you're not gonna make a stand yeah 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 i agree people are worried about you know we're worried about losing the 401ks the social security as you mentioned we're worried about losing a lot of comforts people mm -hmm. don't want to even they, they, look a lot of people don't even make the sacrifice to give up netflix i i, I burned netflix i burned that bridge a long time ago because of the garbage they were putting out but you know we don't want to give up our our comforts and i always say one of my favorite quotes is if you become too, and this is actually from an old Genghis Khan movie where John Wayne played Genghis Khan. <laughs> terrible casting decision. Yeah. <laughs> but it was funny. But in the movie, there's a statement that 
the men who were about to go into battle, Genghis Khan's men, needed to sleep on the ground and toughen up because if they became too comfortable, they would get soft. If you get soft, you get weak. If you get weak, you can't fight. And if you can't fight, you die. So the whole thing began with if you get too comfortable and you're not willing to give up some of the comfort, you're going to be weak. You're not going to be able to be mentally or physically or spiritually strong enough to engage in whatever battles you have to engage in to fight for the kingdom and for souls. I, and I, I see what you're saying with that. I think that, that, that that's a big part of where people are is the discomfort. People are afraid to be shamed if they don't put a face diaper on in public. You know, they don't mm -hmm. want to be guilted into something like that. They're afraid of the persecution of a family member telling them, you know, that you know, if they stand up against birth control at a family gathering, you know, they don't want to deal with that kind of headache. I always ask the question, how in the world would we be able to really take it to another level if we were asked to? We've yeah. got to be willing to give up the comforts. You are absolutely right. And that's, I mean, that was one of the things for the pilgrimage. I left with 50 bucks in my pocket. I brought my laptop with me, uh, and I signed up with a studio, a content mill. I could write little articles at libraries and get paid 15 bucks a piece, which I could do seven to 10 a week. But I gave up comfort uh, on stuff. For the last 10 years, I've lived poverty. Um, and in the meantime, you can't see it, but I've gotten fat <laughs> in that time. Um, right now, and I don't recommend that anyone does this. I always tell people, do what's best for your family. Mm -hmm. Do what's best for your family and think it through. And then make a conscious choice and take responsibility for it. Mm -hmm. I don't have, although I'm entitled to it, Social Security nor Medicaid. You've got a corrupted government that uses the money that goes in to kill babies. I don't want any money from them when they're trying to make everybody their dependents. I don't recommend that for people uh, on the thing, but it makes me mad. And I've always liked, don't get too comfortable. If you're doing God's work, then you trust that God will carry you through, you know? Yeah. And I'll tell you something, one of the greatest priests, my first spiritual director, Father Bill Stetson, Monsignor William Stetson, he passed away two years ago. He was a Kumari um, <clears throat> graduate of, of Harvard Law School before he became a priest. And that was back when being a graduate of Harvard meant something. Hmm. But he told me at one point, <clears throat> he said, Charlie, I have come to believe that you do have a real mission. He said, but that's not where your salvation lies. Your salvation lies in how you care for those souls that God puts into your care for a time. Hmm. Amen. That was, how profound is that? Amen. Yeah. Hey, uh, that's a great way for us to conclude. I'm, I want to conclude with a prayer, but I'm going to add in the prayer uh, a great quote from uh, Ronald Reagan's 1964 speech that was entitled A Time for Choosing, because that's where we are right now. Yeah. We got to choose. There's no more gray area. You know, it's it's God or Baal. Or nothing. Or yeah. Baal. <laughs> Uh, we have to choose. And I think that's part of what the collapse is going to be. Uh, they've gone so far in league with the, uh, with the devil that uh, we're, it's going to be clear that we, uh, we can only choose God. Let's begin in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen. And begin with this quote. You and I have the courage to say to our enemies, there is a price we will not pay. There is a point beyond which they may, must not advance. Evil is powerful if the good are unafraid. Evil is powerless if the good are, good are unafraid. Will you and I have a rendezvous with destiny? Will preserve for our children's this the last best hope of man on earth, or will sentence them to take the last step into a thousand years of darkness? We're at war with the most dangerous enemy that has ever faced mankind, and in his long climb from the swamp to the stars. And it's been said. If we lose this war, and in doing so, lose this great way of freedom of ours, history will record with the greatest astonishment that those who had the most to lose did the least to prevent it from happening. Well, I think it's high time now that we ask ourselves if we still even know the freedoms that were intended us by our founding fathers. 
Every generation of American Americans needs to know that the free that freedom exists not to do what you like, but having the right to do what you ought. And that is the freedom that I wish for you. Set yourselves apart from this corrupt generation. Be saints. You weren't made to fit in. You were made, you were born to stand out. Heavenly Father, we ask you to pour out your richest blessing upon our nation. We are one nation under God. Help us to stand strong against this evil insurgency, this demonic influence on all of those that are, are in our charge. Help us to be strong in leading them into your loving arms. We accept the whatever you bring our way, but we ask you, please, loving Father, uh, help us. Help us during this time and help us to break free from this evil, evil insurgency. And we pray all this through Christ our Lord. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Charlie, Thanks, Charlie. Thank you very much. Good to have That's you. That's a wrap. Thank you.